0: The Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Hi there and welcome to another episode of Planted with Sarah Pion. I'm Sarah Pine, your host. And today we have the honor of having Angela White, the Equity for Industry Program Manager at Success Centers. Welcome, Angela. I'm so happy to have you here today. Ah, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Well, we have we have a lot to talk about today. I just when I when I got the opportunity to get you on the mic, I was just thinking we we have so many things to cover. We have so many things to get people, you know, like calls to action. Um, I don't think we're gonna have enough time in this hour to cover everything we want to. <laughs> and I'm so happy that you're here. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's let's get started
1: then. Let's see what we have. What, what questions do you have? Yeah. Me?
0: Well, first off, before we get into the amazing work that you're doing, I always like to ask my guests, "What was your first cannabis experience?"
1: Oh my goodness! My first cannabis experience that I really could remember was um, I had smoked some cannabis with my brother, and I got too high and um you know we were outside in the backyard and uh he had to bring me you know sneak me in the house past my mom um you know and I was in the room just spinning (laughs) and uh you know he's like you're gonna get us busted (laughs) and then you know it was it was just a bad experience I honestly I can say um but um and I didn't try it again because I was really into sports coming up. I played basketball in, in high school, and, um, you know, I was really athletic. But after I, um, you know, got married and I had, had children, I started suffering from um, migraines. And I was going back and forth to my doctor at the time, and uh, she told me, you know, in a whispered voice, she says, you know, Angela, I've tried you on all these different medications, but off the record, go buy yourself a dime bag of weed and I was like huh oh. <laughs> and so I did that and um um so cannabis pretty much changed my life from being locked in the room with a scarf on my eyes away from my children because it was just you know the pain from, from migraine was was really awful and uh I started doing that one hit um and hold it in for a second few seconds and blow it out and it will take away my symptoms and i have not had a migraine in probably oh i would say maybe 30 years
0: oh that's wonderful that's wonderful yeah you know i've 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 heard that from from clients of mine that they've been able to actually stop using their migraine medications and they've gotten better relief and that's that's amazing I, for myself, for my migraines, I like to use an eighteen to one CBD to THC if I need to stay clear and and get pain relief. What do you what do you like to use for that?
1: Well, you know, for me, um, I'm I'm not a big smoker. Like I said, you know, whenever I feel stressed or I feel like I could possibly go into it, you know, I haven't had one, so um, I like I like um, sativa. Nice. Um, you know, if, if it's a if a daytime, but I'm just a one hitter quitter. So, um, yeah. I love <laughs> so, it. <laughs> it, it. It works for me. If I'm getting stressed, if I get too stressed in the evening, you know, if I had a stressful day, I'll take my one little puff and hold it in and let it out, and I feel wonderful. And so, um yeah, I that's that's me. I'm a I'm a uh, sativa fan, the indica. Uh, if, if on the evening side, if you know, I want to get a good night's sleep, I'll do my little one puff. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, <laughs> so, a joint lasts me, and I always laugh about this. A joint can last me up to a year. Honestly, <laughs> I have. Oh,
0: <laughs> hey, your proof lasts us more. Right. <laughs> right. I
1: definitely am <laughs> and so people that sit in those those circles and hit blunts and all this I can't do I can't hang with you you know I just have my little puff and that's
0: it <laughs> I I completely <laughs> understand that because if I if I hang around too much in the circle of course we're not sharing joints and blunts these days but I'll end up being that person that just kind of stares like a deer caught in the headlights and I'm no good to anyone. <laughs>
1: body you can't think
0: just want to relax yeah yeah and well how did you how did you get into working with cannabis and your your well how did you how do i say your journey to success centers how did that come about
1: (laughs) okay well so uh, i um I, I back in the early two uh, thousands, when cannabis was first uh, legalized on the, the the medical side, I had a couple of friends who, one in East Palo Alto, I helped them launch their um, um, the, the uh, medicinal medicinal uh, cannabis dispensary there, and then um, one of the partners left and went to San Jose, so I went with him and helped him actually. Um, you know, launched that also, and I worked there as the manager. and uh, before we were even up, uh, I helped with the layout and the painting because I'm a painter by trade. Oh, okay. <laughs> and yeah, and uh, so I ran that dispensary for a while and then went back into um to painting. And um I get a call from my daughter, and um, um, she she dates Liz's son. Uh, who is the CEO here at Success Centers? And um, she's like, "Mom, Liz wants to talk to you." And I'm like, "Okay." And so uh, she said, "Yeah." She was like, "I'm I'm I'm going to need someone to come in and do some um, uh, build a program for um, uh, cannabis." And I don't know anyone. And so Kimmer told her, "Why don't you call my mom?" <laughs> and so she says, "Your mom." <laughs> 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 and, and so. So I start. I talked to Liz on the phone. We probably talked all, uh, about six months, you know, just giving her ideas of things that can be that can be done. And she called me one day out of the blue and she says, "Hey, um, I need you." I said, "Okay, what do you need?" And she goes, "No, I, I, I need you to come work for me." I said, "Okay, well, w- when would you like for me to come?" And she says, um, "Yesterday." <laughs> 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 and so uh, I actually gave a two day notice at my job and. Came success centers and uh, looked at what they had so far, which was which was not much at the time. Um, they were doing um, em- employer spotlights, which are um, hiring events uh, to bring in uh, employers that are looking for uh, folks to bring uh, fulfill their open jobs. And so I I went to a couple of those, and I was like, you know, the cannabis industry is a little bit different. We're not major employers, Um, so I came up with the idea to to put together the uh, the cannabis industry job shop, but now called the budding industry job shop, where we bring in several employers. Um, They come in and do uh, like a TED talk about their uh, their company. Um, talk about the perks, you know, the job descriptions that they're um, hiring for, the the pay rates, you know, things that you typically would not get at a job fair, you know. And uh, it's more personal. It's up close and personal uh, meet and greet with employers and job seekers. And it's been a very successful event.
0: That's awesome. You And you're doing a lot of things to be able to set people up for success in the industry, aren't you?
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. And so the other thing that we do on that side is we have the uh, resume clinics and mock interviews where um, uh, we we use industry professionals that are like recruiters. And uh, we have uh, Peter Maxwell from Apothecarium. No, Peter's that comes lovely. And helps a lot for our, uh, yeah, right, um, for our uh, resume clinic. And Liz Gale, she's just a, a volunteer, people that want to help um folks sell themselves on paper you know and it's really important um in our community that we're able to do that because you know we're coming from uh, uh in, into a business that we've always uh we we've, we've done it before um and we have to retrain ourselves to sell ourselves to the new industry um because they do things a little bit different right mm-hmm. and so and so um yeah and so they may have worked in the industry uh, prior to it being legal and those skills are, you know, delivery and <laughs> oh. So, oh, totally. You know, and those, those, right? Yeah. And so these skills are transferable. And so what we do
0: is... <laughs> I was just going to say that, you know, one of the things that we forget because we get so clouded by the idea of, like, an illicit market, or as I like to call it, the traditional market, you know, that these are creative-driven entrepreneurs,
1: Yes, absolutely, absolutely. And so we want to make sure that we highlight those skills,
0: you know. And
1: uh, so, yeah, that's that's really been working very well um, for the, you know, retention rates and things of that nature because I, I also give them um, a workshop on um, customer service and, you know, how, how to survive in the work environment. You know, um, um, we don't want people... To get into a space where they don't feel comfortable um and there's you know there's this stigma about the equity community that that I'm trying to erase because these are good qualified um people um and they deserve these jobs,
0: yeah, yeah, they do, and when we're looking at social equity for people I feel like it should be on everybody's lips, but there are people who don't quite understand what it is. In, in your opinion, what does social equity encompass? And I, and I don't mean to put you on the spot on
1: it. But. <laughs> <laughs> what does it encompass? Well, um, for me, um, because of the, the wording um, directly affected uh, by the war on drugs does not say enough. I mean, desecrated families, basically, yeah. uh, separated from your parents, um, over incarceration rate. Uh, you know, um, it should be some sort of restorative uh, justice is the word. Um, they know that things were we were wronged in our community, and um, the equity program. You know, because because of our, our over incarcerated rate. Um, and, the, you know, our family's being destroyed. Uh, we deserve to be in this industry, I think, more than anyone. Yeah. And so with having the equity program, um, the opportunity um, to get a foot in the door, and, and it, it may not be in a dispensary or a delivery service, but even in some of the ancillary businesses that, Can work for cannabis. I just want the whole cannabis community to recognize the wrongs that were done, and to understand that um, you should have services, um, brands on your shelves coming from this community, um, uh, reaching out and uh, opening your your doors and your businesses to make sure that the money is spread uh,
0: fairly. Yeah. How about that? Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I totally hear you. It's, it's one of those things where, like, when I, when we were first having conversations about equity, and we were seeing businesses that it, that were trying to, you know, get a foothold in San Francisco, one of the things that I noticed was the fact that there were white operators that were trying to get dispensaries in traditionally black neighborhoods, and I found that really disturbing. Hmm. Um, because we these are neighborhoods where people still have family members in jail for what these people were wanting to do legally in the neighborhoods, and I I have to applaud people like Reese Benton who have worked so hard and have absolutely you know it's every time that she's she puts something up that she's done I'm just like oh I'm so happy for you because she's like the model of what when you work hard on blood, sweat, and tears that went into her project and how she's just, she's killing it.
1: She is definitely killing it. I love post-screen retail. Um, I just went to her grand opening, um, you know, she had, she went through, um, barriers over there, you know, even in her space, she was ready to open, uh, uh, about a year ago and, um, um, they put an injunction on her. I mean, she's gone through every kind of, uh, roadblock. Um, but she's, she's, she's hurdled, took all, you know, jumped over all those hurdles and she was able to open her doors. You know, um, some of these, um, meetings that we go to through as the, uh, conditional use for the conditional use hearings, they kind of remind me of, you know, um, stories that I would hear about, um, um. You know coming through civil rights my, my my grandparents and white folks you know standing up saying basically we don't want you in our neighborhood, you know what i'm saying yeah. <laughs> and and that's what some of these um folks that get up there basically and they're sounding like you know um but if it's if it's a white business i I very seldom i mean I've gone to a lot of them i I don't hear the the venomous <laughs> shouts about you know, coming into the neighborhood that they when they try to open a, a black business and it's gotten better, you know, as time has gone by. Now people are being more uh, accepting when they know that the crime rate actually goes down. I mean, the people, people just need an education. But uh, yeah, Reese, Reese had a hard time getting their doors open and she's just a trooper and she's remarkable. But there are many Reese's in this community.
0: Yeah, yeah. I feel like she can be... A great inspiration for people who are aspiring to do what she she does, because she was every single task force meeting. She was there taking notes, mm-hmm. you know, making her voice being heard. And, and this is this is a lot of of what has to be done, especially especially as a person of color, because, yeah. you know, there they just there haven't been there hasn't been enough allowance for voices to be heard
1: yes exactly yeah she's she's a, she's definitely a superstar superstar she calls me her mentor what i call her you know my mentor because i learned so much from her she's just brilliant and and the city could actually use her voice and experience because you know uh to to make some changes to these programs so i'm hoping that they're reaching out to her more um you know oversight committee as well
0: so oh that, yeah You know, yeah, (laughs) that's it. I mean, that's it's one of the most. uh, That's that is one of the things that I don't understand why we miss the mark on that so much on a policy level. Reaching out to the people who are actually doing the work and and have had the challenges, so that they can they see things the clearest, and then they can help pave the way for people to be able to have an easier easier road to success. And and just when we're talking about that, like what are what are some of the challenges that you've been seeing with the social equity programs and applicants?
1: Well, one of the major challenges is finding a location. Um, you know that that in itself is is very hard. I had one uh, equity applicant call me, and she was just literally in tears. She says, "You know, I I went to look at a space with." Um, with my realtor who was a a white male. And um, the building owner says to us, well, who am I renting to, you or her? (gasps) Jeez. In 2020, who am I renting to, you or her? And so, you know, we've always had, in our community, we've always had things like redlining and and, uh, discrimination, Trying to find um, buildings, and so you know that's a major barrier for uh, for us yeah. um, and, and 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 then when you say you have to have a building before you get a permit, you know and then um, um and then it takes so long for the permit to to come about, and there's, there's no you know uh, and they it's getting better they're stream, trying to work on to streamline those kind of things, but you know just imagine uh you know having a location and you're paying rent on it, and you can't open your doors.
0: Yeah, that's so, an enormous hardship. And then when you take into consideration how historically difficult it's been for Black businesses to find funding. So a lot of people rely on personal investment, right?
1: Yes, exactly. And so it makes it very, 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 very difficult.
0: So w- when we're looking at At challenges with social equity and we want to be able to give people a toolkit to succeed what are some of the main things that you've noticed help give people a leg up when they're looking for I mean and we're looking at social equity there's a couple of things that we look at you know we're looking at entrepreneurs with businesses we're also looking at availability of of jobs hiring practices and and also education and then also advancement what's going on with professional development what do you what do you think are some of the tools that people need to drive themselves to success
1: well, you know, um, that that was one of the reasons why we started the equity for industry workshops uh, mm-hmm. here at Success Center. Um, I When I first, uh, you know, I was doing the, the budding industry job shops and then um, equity applicants were calling me saying, well, you know, we're really not trying to work in this industry. We really want to start our own business, you know? Although I think it's a good idea for um, folks to actually uh, you know, work in the industry, work at these dispensaries. You know, if that's what they're trying to, to start, to get an idea of, of how things run. You know, you, you're going to have to know because it's a, it's a lot of work running a dispensary.
0: Oh yeah, that's and like
1: so, I, oh my god, it keep me awake long. at night
0: if I owned a dispensary.
1: Oh my goodness, I worked seven days a week and it wasn't. I didn't even own it. You know what I'm saying? I worked seven days a week, uh, uh, twelve hour days. It was a lot. And, and it was exhausting, but the, you know the rewards come from the people that you meet while you're working there, the folks, the, the patrons that come in. But so I'm going back to you know because Miss Angela can talk. But um, I love so, it. <laughs> <laughs> the first thing you know, we, we did we, we started having the um, you know just navigating the the system. Um, you know, uh, a lot of the um, language. That are that's in the uh website for the equity applicants, a lot of that language is confusing hell it's confusing, I'm sorry for the hell, but oh no you're fine
0: <laughs> we're on radio Misfits <laughs> network.
1: you concurse <laughs> okay
0: it's
1: confusing. it's confusing to folks that you know are not equity, so you know the language it, 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 it needs to be simplified, so a lot of it was we started out doing um navigating through the office of cannabis uh websites and just understanding, you know, you know what they're, what they are, we're, we're not entitled to, but what was covered in them becoming a verified equity applicant. Then, um, uh, you know, the fundamentals, I mean, we just basic broke, broke things down, um, you know, to clear things up. And we even had the Office of Cannabis come in and run through their, um, you know, um, their website. And what they want people to do, just to let them know that once you became verified, you're at step zero. So there's so much ed- education that needed to happen after that, after getting that. Um, we did zoning and real estate to understand the pro- you know that process. Um, um, the cannabis business development, you know, how to how to pick your 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 organizational members, and and how you're going to. Um, you know, lay everybody out. Who? Because one person can't do everything. So you need some people to focus on this area. Compliance is one of the major things. Um, let's see, um, letting them under, having them understand contracts and uh, non-disclosure agreements. Um, understanding um, uh, how to manage a cash-only business. You know that banking situation. Uh, <laughs> I mean, there's so much. The two eighty taxes. Learning accounting, um, we've had workshops on accounting for uh, cannabis accounting so they can understand how to read their books and how to, you know, structure their, um, you know, their, their um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, you know, just their ledgers and things to make sure that they've got everything to the penny. Um, how to write a business plan. We're doing that now, business plan boot camps. Uh, we, we're, we're teaching folks how to do the business plan. I mean, there's so much that this community needs. Uh, Understanding white labeling for those who want to go into the branding. Um, Yeah, um, yeah, just uh, uh, you name it, it's needed. And so those are the tools that we're giving them tools and um, whatever tools they need, I just go out and ask and bring them in. <laughs> that makes any sense.
0: Yeah, that makes perfect sense. That's, I mean, that's that's what's what's needed. It's, it's so wonderful to have somebody who's able to organize this for people because the project itself is daunting. You may know what you want the end result to be, but the road to get there is winding. And, and like you and I had been talking earlier, just... Even how social equity is set up, um, it's, you know, it's supposed to be, I mean, just getting down to brass tacks. It's like, this is something that we looked at to actually help support and enrich the black community. And it's looking very different than that. And, And we have a lot of work to do to kind of rein it in so that we're actually helping the population that has been impacted the most by the war on drugs instead of having this loosey-goosey, if you were impacted by the war on drugs, you qualify for an equity program. It's like, well, you're, you're giving people loopholes that maybe don't need this help, right?
1: They don't, Yeah, they don't deserve it. They're already pr- from the privileged class somewhat. So, yeah, so I always say it should, should be based on the data. If you look at the data of arrest rates, if you look at who was over-incarcerated, um, you know, Based on that and then who who will be who will be um, the candidates? Yeah. You know, just to say affected by the war on drugs doesn't go far enough. Yeah. Um, in my eyes, you know, when you look at families that were destroyed by the war on drugs, you say destroyed by the war on drugs. Was your family destroyed by the war on drugs because you, you know, got caught with some weed and went to jail? You know what I'm saying?
0: Right. No, no. You, you might, you might have lost I'm your school not- loans, but that might be it.
1: Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. No, really, they really need to look at, at the data. The data doesn't lie. And I, I see people using these talking points all the time. And, um, you know, for, for the purpose of um, appearing to really be uh, equity. But, you know, equity needs the word equity in the equity community Needs
0: to be redefined. Yeah. Uh, you know. Yeah, and I, really I feel like, too, that we have, there needs to be a greater discussion about the fact that even though the equity program is geared towards a certain population, in the end, when we have a more equitable society, everybody wins.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And when we're looking at equity programs, You know and the benefits just for the greater community because sometimes I think that people forget that you know and 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 I sometimes think that it's done by design it's divisive to keep us separated and kind of fighting so that the people who benefit by us being divided do well (laughs) you know that whole social construct thing that you know some of the real benefits of equity programs for for just our community in general, it's you know that's what are what are some of the things you're seeing? I mean, we've talked about the fact that opening dispensaries and cannabis businesses in neighborhoods actually improves them. Um, it
1: definitely it definitely improves them. But what what even what is even more um, wonderful when I see a um, equity business open. Um, they tend to not, um, you know, some of these companies they are very um, anti anti. Um, well, I'm gonna say anti, but the welcoming of a, of a person that's coming into a, a say a black-owned dispensary and I, and this, the happiness of feeling comfortable in your surroundings and not having to, you know, there's a, there's a lot of work that these these corporate companies need to do when it comes to you know bringing people on and not treating them like numbers yeah. you know cannabis to me is more of a um a healer and a unifier and i don't think that they really understand the culture of what what cannabis should be in these in these companies um why are we repeating what's been done we know that it doesn't work we know that it excludes people Cannabis should be, cannabis industry should be, um, you know, just more uh, understanding and compassion. You talk about compassion for folks that need the, the cannabis. I'm saying compassion or empathy for the people that has be, have been, the, you know, just treated poorly. And so yeah. stop it.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because... It- you Incarceration I mean? yeah. when it was illegal, and then not creating opportunities when it is 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 just repetitive abuse.
1: Yeah, and if you're if you know even in the companies you know that you know are are well, I won't go there.
0: How About that. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's for, that's for I, another conversation I over that, coffee.
1: <laughs> I, I just know when a when a when a a, a, a black or person of color business opens up. Um, the attitude, if they have the advocacy piece of understanding what community and where these people are coming from, you know, the the reception of having them work there is a lot different than going into these other places. I know everyone has to make their money. It's a bottom line, but I always believe that happy employees are the best employees. And if you treat people with dignity and respect, Always, That should be the first thing, especially in any cannabis business, treating people with dignity and respect.
0: Yeah. I I think that the more that we, how do you say it? Well, we're looking at equity and we're looking at the companies, the black owned companies and, you know, people wanting to get into the industry by, you know, working for other companies and then creating their own visions and following, you know, their heart in this industry. That's all a beautiful thing. And I think it's also very educational. And if people aren't learning this, they really need to pay attention to it around cultural sensitivity in the workplace. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, because that's like one of the things that I, you know... It's especially it's so basic it's it's like around you know people's style and their hair and where they come from and how they speak and the fact that we all have our own style and as long as people are being you know I mean, what is professional we have to redefine exactly. what professional is
1: right exactly yeah we, we we do need to we 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 need to redefine what equity is and we re, we need to redefine what professional is in this industry. Um, and then the other thing is like um, you know, giving people truly a, a second chance because if we know that these that folks have been over incarcerated, you know, and we're you know, seeing a lot of the um, the uh, police brutality and things of that nature, and if these things are happening. Then uh, we should question that. Cannabis should question everything. Yeah. Um, and so, um, giving people a second chance, I know that, you know,
0: it,
1: it, it's not really re entry friendly like it should be.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, if someone is incarcerated and they come out, they're only looking at cannabis convictions as. Uh, being uh, giving people a second chance. But I feel like if someone has did something a very long time ago, they should have the opportunity to to reinvent themselves and come in and, and learn a trade and be a part of society without having to always um, look over their shoulders. So we're doing um, expungement clinics here um, at the centers with uh, the apothecary and the students for uh, sensible drug policies. And I'm hoping that that will kind of erase some of the stigma off of people's records so that the cannabis industry can be more inviting for those because if you have a cannabis conviction and um you know you got that felony on your record you're just a felon they don't look at it as you know this a cannabis conviction so if you if you're in that situation what are you going to do to make money what are you going to do you have to do what you got to do right. you know and then you get, you go and do something else and so now that they're coming back, and, and that, that that cycle can go on for a while, but if then they come back and they say, well, we're going to remove the cannabis convictions. Now you're still in the same boat because those other convictions are still there because it started out with a cannabis conviction. So what about those kind of folks, and what happens? I mean, it still started that way. Um, give people an opportunity.
0: Yeah, no, I and mean, well, something that people don't realize is that the expungement cr- process it can be really burdensome too
1: exactly exactly but at least giving people the opportunity to to clear their records Um, we're working with um, you like I said students for um, a sensible drug policy um, and the apothecarium is uh, um, sponsoring the events here at success centers and it's a virtual thing yes and they and it's only doing California Convictions And so if we have folks that have moved from, say, New York to California, if you're uh, from this equity community, you don't have enough money uh, to go fly back to New York, say. So I think they need to connect the dots there, too, with expungement. Um, That only makes sense.
0: Yeah, that that should be a no-brainer, really.
1: Right. Yeah. So I'm, I'm looking forward to the future. I'm hoping that you know, in that area, things will be able to be cleared up, and and folks will start, you know, linking together and one, put one push of a button, and it's cleared across the nation. How about that?
0: Yeah. Well, when I teach my um, my cannabis history class, I, I do it I do I do it a couple times a year. People tend to be more interested in in how CBD and THC work than how we got right. here. Um, But, you know, because it it puts people in an uncomfortable space because we end up, you know, deconstructing systems of oppression and really seeing that, you know, what got us here is actually what's created hardships economically for our environment. Um, Just Mm -hmm. all the different things. Our own, you know, William Randolph Hearst played a huge part in that. Um, And just like really... I just feel like in some ways, well, no, not in some ways. I just feel like we really need to have a drive to make sure that policymakers truly understand, you know, Mm -hmm. not only about what cannabis can do, but how we got here and how it was by design to keep people down and punish them and to make a very few select group of men rich.
1: Yeah, that's what's happening. Yeah, they need to look at all of that. Yeah, um, yeah. So I mean, you know, we, what they say—you have to um, bite one piece of the apple at a time. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I got the munchies, and I want to bite it all. I want to bite all. Man, I saw all over the place until the whole apple is gone. You know, get let's get rid of this discrimination and let's get rid of all these atrocities that happen and and uh, reverse some of these. Um, you know reverse it or correct it let's correct some things Mm there's a lot that needs to be corrected
0: there's a lot that needs to be corrected and what are you excited about in the future
1: excited about well you know right now we have uh six equity applicants that are in the pipeline i that are in the building and planning phase this has been a long journey i've been doing this work for about three years you know and um I am looking forward to them opening and being successful, Um, and um, and as cannabis moves across the country, being legalized and um, um, brought to the forefront, I would like to, you know, just invite people to get ready, get ready to be 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 getting ready for when it comes. Um, And so I always tell folks that come to the Equity for Industry workshops that this whole country is our hood. You know, we've been displaced and um, mistreated, and and, uh, (laughs) so I'm saying we all need to be in this industry. So while we have these free workshops, you know, come in and and figure out, you know, what's going to happen in your state, your location, and try to get on this early on. Uh, And and for those that are doing the legalization, I would say that they should have uh, equity Stipulation on every program going forward. So that's what I'm going to look forward to. That they will make that change. That you cannot start a business without a, an equity community member partner.
0: How that's about that? that would be amazing, and it's essential. Yeah. Do you think success centers will grow beyond California?
1: Um, we already have. I mean, we're, (laughs) we, you know, we have folks attending these workshops from New York and Oklahoma and Florida, um, Georgia, Arizona, um, New Mexico, because, uh, you know, it's, we don't have this kind of knowledge in our, in our um, communities. And so I opened the door for, for that. And I know that because people have traveled You know here out of california and move to other spaces because it's so expensive to live here um and so you know the doors are open like i said this whole country is our hood and so everybody or anyone that's interested in learning about um different nuances of this business um just come on in and 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 be a part of this you deserve to be here
0: and if if somebody wanted to to help because this is an all hands on deck situation What kind of help are Mm -hmm. you needing right now?
1: Well, um, of course, we always need donations. Um, You know, you can donate to the the program, Success Centers. Um, Just go to visit our website at uh, successcenters.org and push the donate button. And you can specify for the Equity for Industry program um, if you'd like to do that. But um, just having general funds for us, um we did this work uh when Liz brought me on that we hadn't had a um a, we hadn't gotten a grant uh of any kind and so we were just um educating on um you know success in a dollar and I'm, I'm really thankful that she gave me the opportunity um this is this has been a a dream job for me a lifestyle so, so to speak and um yeah so we just got a small grant from the city Um, this year. Congratulations. (laughs) Yeah, for technical assistance. Uh, And um, we have um, Jessica Strange and Marimo Marquet who are walking folks through the permitting process. And they also had the the Bradford funding money, the GoBiz money, um, that equity applicants are now, um, or equity businesses are now able to get some refunding of dollars And so they're also walking them through that process. So I'm really excited about, you know, finally there's some money for equity. You know, it may not be a lot, but it's something. It's something that's going back. And um, I would say also going forward, I hope that when, as these companies, these states start doing um, equity programs, that you have a budget in place for equity. We don't have any money in our community. We need help getting launched.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> and having people who are willing to invest without predatory practices.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: I'm I'm excited that you're working with Marie. She's wonderful. I had her on a few episodes ago.
1: Oh, yeah. I love Marie. You know, we're both Tennessee girls. Oh, right I on. Her, <laughs> yeah. I met her at a, a mayoral um um, uh, job job fair here at Success Center this is for Juneteenth. And I kept looking across the room and I said, oh, there's a young girl um, that has a, a, a working for, it, I think it was Cannabis Express at the time. And I walked over to her and I started talking to her and we found out that we were both from Tennessee. And uh, she told me that she had a, um, a, a farm out in Salinas. And I was like, oh my goodness yeah, the person I've been looking for. I said, you know, I want to do field trips out there so that folks that are coming from Oxidam um, through the horticulture class can go and learn firsthand about, you know, uh, seeing a um, greenhouse grow in real time. She was like, oh, wow, really? Yeah, we can do that. I'm like, what? <laughs> so it's just been a great um, relationship that Marie and I have formed. And, and um, you know, we we've, we've have taken so many folks down. And now that COVID is kind of subsiding, I think we're going to do our next trip in May, um, back down to the farm so that folks can see what they're doing and how it's done. They're looking at cloning and flowering and uh, veg- the vegetation room and the, oh. how, how much to feed the plants. And they can ask any question they want to ask, you know, just so they can get the the data. And they're giving up this information. It's It's just a beautiful workshop. Um, when I see the faces of the uh, equity community members that we take down um, and then they come back, they're like, "Miss Angela, that was so awesome. We don't have farms in the city, you know. Right. Um, and, and sometimes that's people's first time out of the city onto a farm. So it's just been really just a real rewarding experience. And I'm thanking Marie and Alan, um, her brother, Alan Hackett. Um, they're both super awesome people.
0: Yeah. And it's a black owned farm. I I love that. I love like I love how many how many rock stars are are coming out of this people like those two and Reese and and just amazing Amber Center like just amazing amazing people that are that are doing good work and really inspiring. And there's there's nothing like going into a grow.
1: Yeah, it's it, oh man, it's just it's so it's so nice, and so they have this this uh, the dry room, and that's my favorite part, the dry and the trim. Um, but when you walk through, it's like the hall of flowers for real. You know, the, there's cannabis hanging all you know down drying, and I have some pictures of that. And whenever I, I show people that, they go, ah! you know, it's just it's really just a wonderful experience. So yeah, nice. we need we need more folks that are willing to open their doors to equity. Um, we're safe people. We, uh, you know, won't touch your plant. Uh, we <laughs> <laughs> we want to <burn. laughs> Yeah. You yeah, know, you have to go through all that. But I didn't have to go through that. When I mentioned it to her, right on, come on down. So that's what we need. We need people that are willing to open their doors and really help um, build this community
0: yeah, yeah. back
1: to where it, where it once was. Or maybe never was, but should have been. How about that?
0: Yeah, we need to create some generational wealth. Yes, indeed.
1: That's what this is all about.
0: Yeah, when, and and maybe you're not supposed to have favorites, but uh, do you? If you can, you want to share with me some of your favorite black-owned businesses in the cannabis sphere?
1: Well, I'll definitely say Posh Green is one of my favorites. Um, Reese is one of my favorite people. I've, I, you know um I, I i'm liking uh the idea that sean uh over at burners on hate um has um although that's an equity partner business but he is really working trying to uh promote his staff into brands so putting brands on the shelf mm-hmm. um, he's been super dedicated yeah so sean richards and then um uh, Cindy de la Vega, uh, over at STEZI in Union Square, um, is just really awesome. She still comes to our, our, uh, Equity for Industry workshops and, um, just, um, very supportive, very, uh, interested in the equity community, bringing in folks, um, to make sure that they're getting jobs and getting hired and making sure that 35% hiring rate is, is, uh, being, um, activated over there, um, you know, Sean did the same thing, um, uh, you know, so it's real important that we get these businesses up and running. Um, one other mention I would like to say is, is he hasn't opened his space yet, but um, Damien Posey with High Purpose, he's a brand right now, but he's he's, he's gotten his uh, conditional use, um, and they're going through the build out phase. So he's one that I'm looking forward to. He's a real community activist. Um, let me see who else. Um oh um um Kareem Mayfield, I went to his grand opening um for a four one five authentic four one five. Um and he's since then started a, a team boxing because um, he's a he's a professional boxer, uh retired of course. But uh he's gotten he's got a professional boxing uh profit nonprofit going now where he's cool. working with uh community so members yeah so and I love boxing. I'm a boxing fan, so these are some of my my favorites in san francisco you know uh and, and then over in oakland um cannabis on fire um mm-hmm. which the full price and jaws bird over there i I really love them and and the you know just their their product and um you know just been their cultivation and distribution brand and so I'm hoping that more people will you know Try to find out where their products are being held um, sold and
0: mm-hmm. buy
1: from them as well
0: that's awesome thank you so much for that because it's it's one of those things where we have we have a unique opportunity because this even though people have been selling cannabis forever, we are looking at it sounds so weird the institutionalization of in industry and we have this unique opportunity to change the way we do business that can mm. bleed out into the rest of the world and and one of the things that I always tell people is you know vote with your dollars support companies that are doing good work
1: yes absolutely and not just talking about it but really being about it how about that
0: yeah yeah there's a huge difference <laughs> Absolutely. That is a huge difference.
1: But yeah, I I also wanna commend Khaliva and um the family over there at Khaliva because they have really been um working with us, um, bringing in um folks from their uh, business and they're now called the parent company. Um and um um the next equity for industry workshop, which is tomorrow, um, we're gonna have uh, Alicia Johnson um who is gonna come in and Uh, talk about how to uh, bring your idea to an actual um, product, you know, for folks that are interested in branding and marketing and that kind of thing. She's just really awesome. And so they've been lending folks to us to come in and and do some of these workshops, um, you know, and, and then also, Uh, I want to put a shout out to Kevin Holler, who has come in to do uh, workshops on the 280 tax code. It's tax time, folks.
0: Oh, Uh, (laughs) you just made my hair stand uh, on end, the tax time.
1: uh, (laughs) And so the cannabis, understanding cannabis taxes has been a tremendous, uh, you know, like you said, a lot of folks won't make it because they're not structuring their businesses right and they're not paying their taxes right and the cost of goods and all these kind of things. And so, um you know I always want to thank him for coming in and to help equity um and just been a a a, re, a super resource to us um over here at the uh, success centers.
0: Oh that's that's wonderful. I'm I'm it just makes me so happy to hear that you have all this wonderful support and I know that you, you can always use more. So listeners out there if you are if you are able to lend support, make donations. This is this is this is the the nonprofit to be looking at because they're doing such amazing work. And I just really want to thank you for all every the heart your heart and soul that you've put into this because we it, we need to clone you and send you everywhere. <laughs> hey,
1: listen, I do travel. <laughs> Sit for me. I will come. No, seriously. Um, yeah, anybody that's interested in coming in and, and, and just speaking with me to see where you would fit in in our services, um, my our doors are always open to you. My telephone number, my direct line at Success Centers is 415-549-7002. Um, Ms. Angela will answer when you call, and I can tell you what all we need. Um, you know, workshops if you want to come in and participate. Um, yeah, I'm. I'm looking forward to hearing from you.
0: And if people wanted to follow you on social media, how would they do that? Oh my
1: goodness! So Success Centers has an Instagram uh, account, and I also have one. you know, my kids named this. It's called Four One Five Queen Cannabis. Oh, I love it. <laughs> right? <laughs> so, yeah, Mom, we got a name for you. Yeah. Four one four one five at four one five Queen Cannabis. You can find me and that's where I post a lot of the events and things
0: like that. I gotta follow you. Yeah, follow me, Sarah, and I'll follow you back. I will. And uh, uh, huh? I said I definitely will, yeah, absolutely. As soon as we get done here, I'm getting on there.
1: Yeah, and, you know, just um, let me know if you can even, uh, what you call DM me. You know, I'm still learning all this lingo. You know, I'm an older woman, so, you know, it's it's, it's I'm learning, you know, and, and people crack me up. They say, Miss Angela, your post was crooked or it didn't come out right. I'm like, look, I'm trying, okay? You know, <laughs> so, <laughs> <it's, I'm, laughs> I laugh at myself and it's okay. Wait, but, and, yeah, just uh, please reach say, out to me.
0: Say your IG again. Four one
1: five.
0: Four one five. Queen. Uh Uh-huh. Queen Cannabis. Gotcha. Oh, and I see that my colleague Jessica is following you, too. She's she's a powerhouse. I love Jessica Cry. Yes,
1: Jessica's following me, yes.
0: Well, I just followed you. (laughs) Well, right on. I'm going to follow you back. (laughs) Oh, good, good. And for all our listeners out here, if you want to follow Planted, we are on... Twitter, we are on Facebook, we are on IG. IG and Twitter are Planted with Sarah. Uh, Facebook is Planted with Sarah Pion. You can also go to our website, www.plantedwithsarah.com. You can listen to the podcast anywhere you listen to your favorite podcast. So we're talking Pandora, Stitcher, Spotify, Apple, Google, Amazon, you name it, we're there. And we're also on our parent network site, um, Radio Misfits Network. Uh, thank you, Ed, my producer. He's a wonderful guy. <laughs> and Angela, oh, thank you so much for being on here today. I, we, I would love to have you on again. We still have so much to talk about. And any time that anything new comes up that you want our listeners to know about, know that you are always welcome.
1: Thank you, Sarah. I really appreciate you. I had a ball you know really quick, I know we're getting ready to get off this call, but you know, I came to one of your educational uh service uh, s- uh seminars at um the apothecarium um I don't know maybe a year and a half ago, and I think it was a there was a farmer there
0: um, oh the flona one
1: oh, Canada, yes, and um it made me understand the similarities um that the farmers went through, you know having to dive down in the plants and hide from the helicopters. We had the same things going on in our community. And at that point, I realized that our stories are so close. And so one of my dreams is that, you know, we can really um, bridge a gap between equity community, and that's an equity community also, the legacy farmers. Yeah. Um, You asked me about going forward, that's what I would love to see, that connection right there.
0: That would be wonderful because we've got a lot of collective healing to do.
1: Yes. Yes.
0: Yeah. Let's, let's work on that. Okay. Let's work on that. And <laughs> and I, and I'm, and I was, you know, it's funny because when, um, when I found out that I had you for the podcast, I was like, I, I remembered when we met and I was just really, and I, I checked out what you were doing after that. And I was just so glad to that you came to class and that we met because I just think that what you're doing is it's incredibly important in the fact that you come from such a good place wanting to help people because there's in this environment where we're trying to help people there's a lot of people who are trying to game the system and take away what people other people rightfully deserve and we have a lot of work to do to close those loopholes and empower people and even when they have success with their business to help guarantee that they have the tools to continue that success.
1: Yes, because this is about creating generational wealth. Yep. So, Sarah, thank you so much for having me. I I I've just really enjoyed this experience.
0: <laughs> me too. And, uh, all right thank you so much (laughs) thank you so much and you listeners out there thank you for joining us today remember that planted is two times a month now so check in for our other episodes Um, and if you haven't tuned in before we've we've got over 26 episodes so check it out and until we meet again stay safe stay curious and it's a crazy world out there so be good to each other until next time take care